This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. We're thankful for the reasons It's the best part of the fall The crossover of seasons Football and basketball So grab yourself a pumpkin brew Or beverage of your choice All the best smelling wildcats Are here with Bosco's voice Oh, don't you know Thank you very much for giving. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for one of my favorite episodes of every Blitz month. I'm doing it a little earlier than I typically do because as of the day we're recording this, the K-State sports season officially begins with K-State taking on Green Bay. Now, you guys won't get to listen to this till after the game, so we're just going to work under the assumption that Dabini and the soccer cats are off to a hot start, and they're going to win that. You will know his voice instantly when you hear it. It is the single greatest voice in the entire world. You hear him on the radio. You hear him on ESPN+. Plus. He is the guy who is probably called more K-State sporting events maybe than anyone in the history of K-State sports. I don't know if that's actually true, but when you sit down and think about it, it damn well may be. He's not putting his camera on, so I don't get to talk about how he's part of the K-State Sexy Bald Club, but he is one of my favorite humans in the world, is the man, the myth, the legend, Brian Smoller. Brian, welcome back. Uh, can you believe it's another Blitz Month preview? And uh, again, the off season's officially over today. Yeah, it's hard to believe that we're already back at it. Uh, somebody stopped me the other day and asked uh, if we were ready for the, the the fall sports season. And I, I said, no, it always seems like we get to this point and you want another two weeks to to make sure you get everything done. But whether we like it or not, it's on us already. And um, yeah, normally I would have my camera on, and but a new computer, I don't have the settings set up yet. I don't know why it must have touched my computer because he, he has struggles with uh, technology stuff. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. We'll we'll get it figured out for next time. But I, I am glad to be with you. Thank you for the uh, very nice introduction. Speaking of Wyatt, it's a little bit of a tease. On Monday, I will have the Blitz Month preview with Wyatt Thompson. Uh, you know, it, it's been a star-studded week. You know, I had Gene Taylor on the show earlier today. I have you today. I recorded with Wyatt yesterday. I, I'm just really checking off the list of all my favorite folks who work over at K-State. Uh, don't don't say that to anyone else, but you guys are my three favorites. Um, I think Wyatt actually does it fr- from his phone. 
Uh, so that that I I don't know. I think you might be giving him too much credit for uh, trying to sabotage your computer. Uh, but be, <laughs> but before we get into any of the uh, you know actual sports stuff, uh, how was your off season? Again, you you do stuff with the baseball team, and I think uh, I think that season ended a little at least one to two weeks earlier than we think it deserved to be. But how has your off season been? And you know, uh, you, uh, it comes like, like, like you said, two weeks probably sooner than you want. But did you enjoy a little bit of time away from the microphone? I did. I did. Um, July is usually our month to to get away and take some time off. And then uh, family did a vacation in August as well. Experienced some hiking. We're 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 active. Uh, my kids are both teenagers now, and and uh, my wife and I we all enjoy hiking. So we were up in the mountains. Um, Yellowstone area into Montana and uh, enjoyed the wilderness and all that stuff, but uh, came back from that beautiful part of the country and now ready to go. Um, and I did listen to your uh, podcast with Gene. I thought it was great. Thought he answered a lot of the questions and and I thought, well, we don't need to do an Ask the AD this month. We got it all covered. I don't know about that because uh, despite being, uh, you know, worldwide listened to, you know, I think uh, this month we've had 32 different countries listen to Bosco's boys. I think the reach of Brian Smoller sitting down with, uh, you know, athletic director of the year, Gene Taylor, I think, I think it gets even more reach and you get some more questions. Uh, even though, you know, I think I'm the best question asker, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, you know, toot my, you have some good stuff. You have some good stuff. I know. I know. Uh, let's get into it before we do. And, you know, we're going to start off talking about the soccer team, but before we talk about the soccer team, I want to talk about the soccer coaches who have gone over to Manhattan Brewing Company and collaborated with the best craft brewery in the state of Kansas, creating Golazo. It is a delicious Mexican lager with a hint of lime. And I tell you what, I had a couple of those when I was recording with Jimmy Goheen for his Blitz Month preview and responsibly... You always got to drink responsibly, but I wanted to drink like 12 of them. It might be the most delicious beer (laughs) I have ever tasted. I want to give as much credit as possible to Coach Dabini and his staff. And again, my favorite brewery in the world, Manhattan Brewing Company. The next time you're in Manhattan, stop by, get one pint before you head over to Boozer Park or the Morgan Family Volleyball Arena. Uh, And and again, drink responsibly, but you're going to want 12 of them. They're absolutely delicious. And Brian, I've asked a couple people this, you know, if you were going to collaborate with them, is there a type of beer you would want to get in there and brew with Manhattan Brewing Company? Uh, I heard you ask this question to Gene as well. Um, I I will say that uh, unlike uh, uh, Gene, I I have really no preference on on beers. I'm not huge on IPAs. Uh, You know, it's a little too hoppy for me, but um, most of the time I'm I'm a a guy that will sample just about anything once uh, to to see what it's like. I love being able to go to different places and, and try their, you know, home or craft breweries that are there in that location. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty open for anything, to be honest. I, I don't have a, a particular shade or, uh, you know, style of beers that I am partial to. Well, hey, you're an open canvas, so whenever you go in, you can just help uh, help with whatever they're doing. I also want to give a shout-out to President Linton. Uh, obviously, he's going through a cancer fight. All of our thoughts and prayers are with him. I know he's going to kick cancer's ass. 
just like K-State is going to kick the Big 12's ass across all the sports. He has a beer that is dropping next Wednesday. So this upcoming Wednesday, it is a Blueberry Hefeweizen. And don't let the, you know, the name Blueberry fool you. It is a purple beer. I got to sample it the last time I was in the brewery. Absolutely delicious. So as always, there's so much good stuff going on over at Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, let's get into uh, K-State soccer. We're going to kick it off with them. And it was an exciting season. It went down to the final game last year. They were finally able to get over that hump in a season that had a Big 12 tournament qualifying for it last year. Uh, with the expanded conference, what is the tournament format going to look like this year? And what would you consider the next step beyond just qualifying for the Big 12 tournament for this team to check off? Well, the, the new format will be 10 teams make the field um, instead of the, the previous eight. And that number will, um, I, I would suspect that that would be the same for baseball. Once baseball rolls around, that'll be the same way, 10. Now, when they go to 16, I don't know, they'll have to come up with a different format, maybe go to 12. But uh, for 14, it'll be 10 teams make the field, and then you'll have an additional round of playing games, so to speak. So I think the next step for the the volleyball team would be not to just make the tournament, but then to win a match in the tournament. And if you're going to do that, you have to avoid what they got last year, which is the number eight seed. You don't want to play the top seed, obviously, or or the number two seed uh, in the field. Um, so that that would be the next step for them. I I don't know. It'll be it'll be tough. The schedule is hard. They've scheduled aggressively under Mike Dabini every year. I think that's just his nature. You know, he's a former target forward. He loves to be aggressive. So uh, that may get the better of him in some respect. You're like, at sometimes you you like, boy, take the old Bill Steiner approach. Let's just schedule a bunch of patsies and build up a big record. But he doesn't want to do that. He wants to challenge his team and, and get him ready for the Big 12, which this year with those new schools jumping in uh, is going to be pretty difficult at the top. Yes, it definitely is. And even in the exhibition games, they schedule some salty teams. Missouri State is coming off of a conference championship. They won that exhibition game 4-0. Arkansas starting the season in the top 10. They drew that game 1-1. Again, it's only preseason and, you know, it kicks off versus Green Bay later today. But what is the ceiling for this team as they're kind of crawling out of their infancy as a program? The ceiling, boy, um, I think double-figure wins would be the ceiling, and which would be the first time in school history. They won six matches last year, tied a bunch. I think the rule change um, that came across college soccer last year about ties, uh, no longer going extra to overtime and in, in, in double period, I think that actually worked to K-State's advantage. You know, there were many matches over the years that K-State has gone to double overtime with. And they, I, I mean, I can think of five off the top of my head where they've gone toe-to-toe with a ranked opponent, went to overtime. But because of depth, they just didn't have the depth to be able to hang with those teams for 110, 120 minutes. And by the time you get to that point, it, you know, they give up. You lose your focus for 10 seconds and you lose a goal and you lose the match. And you feel like you've done all that work for nothing. Uh, now you end up with at least a point out of it, and I think that's helped K-State a little bit move forward quicker. The portal, no doubt, has helped them as well. Uh, I think they've added some pieces to to get them closer to where they need to. Um, I think under Mike Dabini, Don Trenum, the kind of defensive coordinator for the team, has really built a solid back for them. That's the strength of this team, no doubt. Um, it's the offense is the question. Last year they struggled to score goals. Can they 
take that next step. And as you say, ceiling, if they're going to get to 10 wins, they're going to have to solve that problem up front of being able to score goals. You you touched on something that I didn't have in the outline and they've played so many close games with ranked teams, with the best teams in the big 12 and in the non-conference. And again, I think some folks may just look at the record year over year and just kind of, you know, shrug it off, roll their eyes a little bit, but you know, for this team starting from scratch, every year they're going toe-to-toe with some of the best of the best teams. Is it just kind of like, okay, hey, you have to build up the depth year over year to get to the point where you can knock off uh, you know, maybe a handful of or at least two to three ranked teams in a year? Is that kind of what's set them uh, you know, kind of not behind the eight ball, but uh keeping them from reaching, you know, a handful of those ranked wins that they're in almost every single year? Yeah, I think so. I think that's part of it. I think, you know, like much of anything, you can only do so much as a coach schematically before it comes down to, as uh, Coach Tang would say, the Jimmies and the Joes, right? I mean, the, do you have dudes or in this case, dudettes? Do you have the players to be able to separate yourself from other people? And the reason those ranked teams are ranked is usually you can point to like three spots on the field. Uh, it starts at goalkeeper. It starts with maybe one center back uh, or one key midfielder and then a target nine as someone that's a, a they're going to score. If you get them the ball in a, in a, a score, a goal scoring opportunity up front in the, in the box or inside the 18. So I think if you look at K state over their time, they've been, they've been fortunate. I think they've had some very solid goalkeepers, ones that have kept them in a lot of matches I think they've been schematically been able to defend people and muck up the game to be able to make it dirty and nasty and frustrating for some of those ranked opponents. But when it comes to finishing, they haven't been able to get that target nine. Now you may say, well, you got the portal and the recruiting, but that's the, that's the part that's the most difficult part in being an infancy program is, is trying to establish those relationships. And I think they're just starting to see the fruits of that labor. You know, they've started recruiting, the youngest kids possible get in on them early. And now those kids are becoming high school seniors and starting to get into the program. They have a lot of young talent and kids that are slated to come in next year as freshmen that will be uh, potential, you know, come in right away and be superstars, but it takes some time to get there. And it's not as easy as just walk in and get them. Um, you know, if you're not, NIL throwing a tons of money around, which I don't know if there is in soccer. I, I don't know enough about it, but um, you know, they've been able to get the portal. Let's help them get a little bit better. They, they better their talent every year. I'm excited to see them get out there and play. And as you said, that so far the, the results that they've put up, even in the exhibition play have been impressive. Uh, they're and just aesthetically, if you watch them play, they've been better. They, they've been more connected. They're, they know what they're doing. Their passes are crisper. They're doing everything better every year. So that part gets you encouraged. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I've been watching this program since it launched. I was a season ticket holder when I when I still lived in Topeka. And, and you can see the evolution of the play. You know, early on, it was a lot of long balls, hope and pray you can run something down. And they really are starting to be able to play uh, you know, I, I didn't play soccer, so anyone who did probably is going to roll their eyes hearing me say this, but proper soccer, proper footy, whatever they say over there, it is it is encouraging and exciting to see the evolution and how they've uh, started to play. 
Um, I when, when folks get out to Boozer Park, when folks are watching on ESPN Plus, who are some of the names on Coach Dabini's squad, either the star players or just women that uh, K-State fans really should key in on early in the season as they're getting to know this year's version of the team? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Good question. Uh, I'd say Riley Baker's first and foremost, the one up front that K-State's really going to count on a lot. And she's the junior. Uh, she'll start the se- season as the target nines. And target nine means you're the, the the center forward, the striker that's up front. You're the primary goal scorer. She was a prolific high school scorer uh, coming out of high school, needed to kind of get into collegiate shape. Then she got injured as a freshman, didn't play a whole lot last year. We got to see her for the first time kind of start to get her feet underneath her finished strong to end the year two goals in the last couple of matches um both of them against Baylor so I I think she's poised for a year where she could really benefit from having a a year of quote-unquote starting under her belt because this is really her second year Uh, I really like Sophie Harlan Kieran Singh is a senior transfer from UTSA was a all-conference young lady there um at Conference USA for UTSA, who who knows by the end of next week could be in the Pac-12 if rumors uh, continue to fly. I, we actually you know, have a couple of UTSA fans who who almost religiously listen to this pod, dating back from when we played them in football. So I think I think Michael and uh, some of the UTSA folks who listen to the show would be pumped if they could get in uh, any form of a power conference. Although they're in the American now, so that's uh, right. You know they they probably are loving that move up. So. Yeah, uh, shout uh, out to the Roadrunners. Meet me. 100%. Meet. Yep. I love you. First year, first year in the American. We'll see how they handle things this year. But um, yeah, Ada Anderson in the midfield was a, a, a breakout player last year for K State. And But the strength of this team is the back line. Uh, they have returned all four starters on the back line, including uh, two center backs, Jasmine Brown, who was an all Big 12 freshman team selection last year. Really great player out of Gilbert, Arizona. Kenzie Gillespie, another junior out of uh, Wichita area, and then Aliyah El-Nagar, who is a, a super redshirt senior, uh, rare sixth-year player out of Ohio State, transfer that has played now for K-State the last couple of years. Uh, they're counting on her. But the, the strength of this team is no question the back line. Um, they'll have a new goalkeeper this year, uh, most likely Murphy Sheaf, who transfers from Jacksonville. Um, she was a, a, a great player there, less than a goal at match. Uh, average against uh, so 0.60 goals against average, which is really good. So I, I think they're pretty they're pretty set defensively. It goes right back to what I said before. If they can get that connectivity, uh, what so far in watching the first two exhibition matches, they've had pretty good midfield connectivity and getting opportunities up front. And if they can continue to finish with Anderson, Baker, Harlan, Singh, and some others, uh, I think this team could surprise some folks in, in the conference. I, I think they're being overlooked. You know, they're picked pretty low in in the preseason poll, which is not surprising, but there are some opportunities, I think, for them to move up. Yeah, and, and I, I'm excited, and, you know, I, I, I've always talked about how uh, I love ESPN Plus because it has given more 
visibility to not just soccer, but volleyball and all the teams. Um, I'm pumped again, you know, we're recording this 3 PM today. Uh, they're taking on green Bay on the road. And then on Sunday, a ranked matchup at Northwestern on big 10 network plus no idea what that is. Um, I mean, whatever. I, I, I don't know anything. I, I'm not even going to pretend to know, but I'll, I'll be trying to keep up with it the best I can. And, and I'll, I'm going to say this. I don't know if they're going to get to those 10 wins, but I, I think this will probably be a salty team. I think they're going to get back to the big 12 uh, tournament, even if uh, only 10 are getting in. And I'm excited to see uh, what coach Dabini and the team can uh, get done. And I can't wait to, you know, watch some games and hear your voice uh, calling soccer, but uh, you're also, you know, all over the volleyball squad as well. Um, I'm going to ask this. This isn't on the outline, but, you know, you're doing stuff with both those teams. And then, you know, of course, women's uh, basketball comes in at the end of uh, these sports. How do you balance uh, being able to be basically the expert on both of these teams that are going almost the entire season at the exact same time? How do you balance all that? You know, uh, it's getting tougher. I, I will tell you that. Uh, I was just thinking about that this week and talking with someone. Uh, um, I think it was my wife about it as well, because she was asking about some things and just try to balance it all. And, and I think what well, and I said jokingly, I said, well, Commissioner Yormark and I'll have to tell Gene this, but uh, Commissioner Yormark's not asking me, but it'd be nice if you stop adding teams because I had a pretty good wrap around my head uh, of 10 and, and knowing all of those 10 teams strengths in the four sports that I primarily cover. And now we've doubled that. And it's just a, just the sheer, I'm a, listen, I'm a, a, an anal nerd when it comes to uh, preparation. I spend hours and hours and hours on charts and stats and deep dives. And so it gets, it gets overwhelming a little bit to think about trying to prepare and do the same way I've done it. Uh, for the conference as it currently stands uh, as we move forward. But there's also excitement to go visit some places you haven't been in a while. I mean, I, I've been to all of the teams that we uh, are going to play. We've been all, I've been to those places for other sports and non-conferences, but it, and, and I've always enjoyed my time there. I uh, really enjoy getting to know the my counterparts at those schools uh, from the video production side. So um, it, it, it'll be fun, but, uh, the preparation is ex- extensive, no doubt. And then on top of that, you kind of have to keep track of football, men's basketball, uh, it has to fill in for Wyatt. So, um, you know, kind of keeping tabs on football, you know, you know, don't do as heavy a prep on them, but kind of keep your toe in it. You understand enough about it doing the pregame shows that you have to be able to be up to speed on that. And the same with men's basketball, I'll be with them when they go on their trip, uh, near Thanksgiving, uh, um, uh, overseas, uh, I'll be with them, uh, to do games. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot, but I, listen, no one wants to hear me complain, right? <laughs> I'm calling games for my alma mater. So there's really no, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's good. Well, I, I will be listening to you when you call the games down in the Bahamas and the Bahamar, uh, classic. I mean, Heck, you, you might get to call a Nigel Pack versus K-State matchup in the championship game. I mean, that's muscleless and radio right there. Absolutely. All right, let's get into volleyball. Um, before we talk about this current team again, they're enter- entering a new era. The the, the best bat- or volleyball arena, I think, probably in the region, if not the nation. Jason Jason Mansfield taking over. But before we talk about it, I, I, I want to take time to acknowledge the legendary run that Coach Susie Fritz had. I know how close you two were. It was a legendary career. 
you know, I, I think everyone appreciates and, and really respects what she was able to do. Uh, it, it's a shame that uh, any legendary career has to come to an end, but it has come to an end at K-State. Um, what would you like to say about the run that she had at K-State, which saw some of the highest highs in the program and uh, really set the groundwork? It, the, the arena would not have gotten done if it wasn't for Susie Fritz. Uh, so you can say whatever you'd like about that legendary coach. Yeah, you know, it's it's never easy. And, and having now been here at K-State for uh, calling games, at least for, you know, almost three decades, it, it's um, it's you, you go through this a couple of different times with different coaches. And we went through it with Coach Weber and Coach Hill on the baseball side, Deb Patterson. And, and it's never fun at the end. Uh, it's never fun. It's the bad part of the business, no doubt about it. It's not just head coaches, it's staff. It's, you know, it's. There's a lot of touch points there of of people you get to know and families and you know you do you ever see them again? Sometimes you stay in touch, sometimes you don't, and it's uh, it's painful. It's a divorce, right? It's uh, it's you feel like you're the kid in the middle and you want to take sides, but you can't. And um, love Susie, love the the team, the coaches that they had, and 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 some of them I still have kept in touch with and, and talked to them as they've moved on or done other things. But um, it was in all fairness, it was probably time. Uh, you know, I don't think coach Fritz, uh, would say that much like coach Weber. I don't think she, uh, was ready. Um, but I think just being around the program, it was, it kind of felt like it was time for a change. It was, it was, it was needed and it was hard because you were going into the new arena. There certainly would, you could have brought her back another season and said, yes, uh, you know, deserve a shot in the new arena and see where we go from there. But uh, I think it was just trending the wrong way and, and based on the numbers the last six years. However, as you accurately pointed out, it should not take anything away from someone who should be in the Hall of Fame someday uh, for K-State, uh, two-time Big 12 Coach of the Year, countless All-Americans, and and uh, won a conference title and, and did it all, having been thrown into the mix kind of hurriedly. I mean, she was uh, – had been here as an assistant coach for like two years. Then all of a sudden Jim McLaughlin leaves a legendary coach goes to Washington and ends up winning a national title there. But uh, you know, she was the interim coach for a half a season yet try to recruit off of that did. Uh, and then two years later wins a big 12 title with those kids. I mean, that it was pretty amazing just how it all kind of got rolling and she ran up the, the greatest era of K-State volleyball. And now let's try to get back to that. And I really like Jason. I really like, I was at practice yesterday, as a matter of fact, and watched him. And uh, he's just a great communicator. Just love the way he goes about practice and trying to get this team focused and where they need to be. He's got a good staff. Um, just excited. And there's a balance, you know, with every new coaching change, there's always that first year of everyone's happy. Everyone's trying to prove themselves to a coach. And you can see that in practice right now too. Everyone's got a big bounce to their step and, uh, they're playing well. I, I, I'm excited to see how they fare. So moving into the new uh, era, we'll, we'll talk specifically about what I think is the best volleyball uh, arena in the nation. I'm just going to say the nation. I had been going back and forth with, between saying nation and region, but I'm just saying nation. Best volleyball in the nation. But what is Coach Mansfield going to bring to this program as its new head coach? Uh, you touched on it a little bit, but – uh, you know, w what is, you know, his strengths, what are, his, you know, what is he going to bring and uh, you know, w what can K-State fans expect from uh, him at, as the new head of the volleyball program? 
Well, he he's very he is very smart. Uh, just being around him, which you know, not surprising. He's been at some really top places. He was speaking of Washington. He was there most recently and and got a bat program and continued on their great tradition. And uh, he spent some time in the Big Ten. Uh, he's been around the block and and he just. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to communicate very well to uh, the team and the young ladies. And he's all about character and culture and connecting with them and uh, competing. I mean, he, he uses the three C's, uh, character, connection, and compete a lot uh, in, in trying to talk about that program. And that's what he wants to see, effort and passion. He wants to see them being able to build connection and culture together, being able to understand what the other person's doing. They're, all of their practice is spent on, hey, you're going to do this, I'm going to do this, and and have be able to understand the play and how it's going to work when they get out there on the court. And then um, being competitive and being ones that never give up and keep fighting to the bitter end. Um, yeah, I really like it. I think Aaliyah Carter has, has shined uh, you know, and has grown, you know, obviously flourished. I think she was had a little bit of a step back year last, last year, but uh, they've got some pieces that, that have put them in a, at a better starting point, I think, for him to take over than, than some other programs. And they'll, even with the addition of the Big 12, you know, you lose Oklahoma and Texas after this year, but BYU is a monster. I was just about to, to say, gosh, you, right. you finally get rid of Texas and here comes BYU volleyball, man. That's right. All right. Oof. Now, Texas are the national champs uh, and they come True. into Manhattan this year in the, in the adjusted schedule, but BYU is ranked in the top 20. Uh, UCF is a team that's probably should be ranked in the top 20. They're receiving votes. Um, you know, I, this is a – it'll be a good league. It'll still be a great league. And then when you add in the, the Pac-12 teams, um, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, all four of those teams are pretty solid on the volleyball side. So that'll be – it'll be an even tougher league. But um, they're well positioned. I, I really like where they're at. We're going to talk about the roster here in a second, but I do want to talk about the arena. And when I when I was at K State, I, I, I've been talking about this. I, I I have tried to figure out the number, but I think roughly I went to about 40, 45 volleyball games when I was a student at K State, and I think those were the last years. It was almost exclusively in Ahern. I think there were a handful of game in, games in Bramlage, but. It, it was an, a legendary arena for basketball, legendary for volleyball as well. I think Bramlage did its job, but how excited are you, uh, someone who gets a broadcast games fr- uh, from you know live from the arena, that you're going to have a ruckus crowd, you're going to have that classic K State volleyball atmosphere back uh, with full season ticket sales uh, sold out, the Nebraska game a complete sellout, and again, I, I think it's going to bring back that purple pit, which. Uh, quite frankly, sometimes we get in trouble for being too rowdy. Uh, how exciting is that for you as someone who loves this volleyball program and gets to call a bunch of their matches? Um, volleyball is a game unlike any other in that it is so emotional. It is a, if and you obviously know about it because you've been to it, but if anybody listens to this and they've never actually gone, obviously the arena is a great place to go and check it out because you're going to see the new arena and all the bells and whistles of that place. And just, it's not... It's not only the layout of the building, which calls back to some of the great things of Ahern and, and, and you know, the best of Bramlage, right? Ahern's negatives where it wasn't air conditioned and it, you could swelter and pass out at times from the heat upstairs, especially these early matches. Uh, Bramlage had air conditioning, but it was just so cavernous. It was difficult to try and get that environment, like you said. But 
kind of the best of all that worlds in one facility. It's the perfect setting for just being loud and just fans getting after it. And again, a volleyball is an emotional game. It's such, it rides so much on the emotion of fans. You can change the game. And K-State under uh, Susie Fritz and really Jim McLaughlin and before him, Jim Mora at Ahern Fieldhouse, they were virtually unbeatable because of the way that that building made sound so much louder than it seemed. I mean, a hundred fans could sound like a thousand and a thousand sounded like 10 and it just made it incredibly difficult for teams to win there. And not to mention the conditions. Uh, there's still a, a water fountain down in the tunnel uh, at a Hearn that's got a huge dent in the side of it from Nebraska coach, John Cook, who kicked it uh, in frustration after K-State beat them uh, in Manhattan uh, for one of the first times ever, his first ever loss as a, in a conference game. Uh, I'll never forget it. I heard this loud boom as I walked down the hall and uh, he was so mad. And I was like, that's awesome. I, I would have loved that dent and that water cooler for the rest of forever in a Hearn. But um yeah, I love the new building. Love it. Uh, been in there just a couple of times, walked around. Uh, fans are going to love it. Uh, the graphics that are up in there, Kenny uh, Lanou has been in charge and headlining that group that's been putting in all the graphics and signage and stuff up. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And uh, can't wait for fans to see it and, and see K-State win and get very, very loud. Yeah, I can't wait. And, you know, shout out to, uh, you know, the staff at the Ahern Fund, the ticketing office getting the season tickets sold out and then making sure that none of the Nebraska tickets made it to uh, the general public. I, 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 that, that game, I don't think I'm going to be able to be there, but I will be watching that on that Sunday. Um, I, I, I can't wait for that one. I, I hope they, Oh man, it, that would be the perfect way to christen the arena with the second game in that arena being a win over Nebraska tough task. They're a power. Uh, but that would be a lot of fun. Let's let's move into talking about the roster. Uh, I think folks were a little disappointed not to get back to the NCAA tournament last year, uh, which probably led to uh, you know one era coming to a close, another one starting. Uh, Aaliyah Carter, she's been all conference before. She's on the preseason All Big Twelve team. Uh, can she help lead this team back to postseason play? Is that a realistic ceiling to put on this team getting back to the NCAA tournament? I, I uh, Coach Mansfield's probably going to get upset that I say this, but I, I'm going to say yes. I, I think they are a tournament team based on just watching them. Um, like you, I, I agree that there there are pieces there. The problem for this team last year was passing, and and for those that don't know in volleyball, you have the back row, the the littles as as they sometimes get called, the 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 shorter players in the court, the liberos and defensive specialists. They're the ones that are the receive the swings from the other team or serves from the other team. And they're the ones that are directing the ball to the setter, to the quarterback, if you will, and kind of get it all rolling. They're kind of like the offensive line for a football team. And if that's not good, right. In football things, it doesn't matter how many great wide receivers you have or how many great quarterbacks you have. If you can't protect, if you can't get them the ball in time and in space, you can't get it to anybody else. And, that was what killed K-State last year, was that they just could not get – they didn't have enough good passing. So I think they've improved in that spot. They've done it a little unconventionally. They've added some transfers out of the portal that I think can help them in the back row but also provide some offense. Uh, Liz Gregorski comes in as a transfer from Wisconsin. I think could be uh, someone that could play six rotations if needed and be both a passer and a, and a hitter. 
Uh, Izzy Shulseski is a setter, but has also played some outside hitter in back row. I think she provides some depth there. Uh, they just got options now beyond having to throw Aaliyah Carter in for every single rotation and have her on the back line passing and because teams are going to target those outside hitters when they're the back row and try and tire them out. And uh, K-State may have run into that a little bit last year because they didn't have the depth that they really wanted. But, yeah, Carter's looked fantastic. I think Shaley Myers, who played a lot on the outside, is going to be a factor. Those three, along with Gregorski, will rotate there. Um Mac Morris is their libero. She's back for another season, really underrated, I think, in the Big 12. Lauren Hinkle is a converted uh, libero that's now playing setter, really has come a long way. I think she and uh, Ava Legrand will battle it out for the top spot at setter, but I think Hinkle's won the job. And then Sydney Bolding really came on last season, ended up as an all-conference player in all region, and, boy, she has continued to impress. Um, You know, I – if she puts together another season like she did this last year, she could be pushing for All-American honors. I really think she's poised for a big-time year. And K-State's had some tremendous middle blockers. Uh, big Tool Player of the Year, Lauren Gehring. They've had some All-Americans and Pelger and Shipman and some others. But um, I think Bolding could could really push for that this year. Her connectivity with Hinkle has been great so far in practice. Well, you, you took care of, you know, laying out the the uh, young woman that folks should be keying in on early in the season. They start off, you know, uh, out in uh, Portland, Oregon, at Portland State uh, for the Rose City Showdown on the 25th of August. So next Friday, then they'll have San Diego State, then Cal State Fullerton. And then as we talked about, the new arena, the best volleyball arena in the nation, opening up September 1st versus Omaha. You might, if you're listening to this, you might have a shot at getting tickets. That one also might sell out just going to season ticket holders and a Hearn Fund members. And then that big one, Sunday, September 3rd versus Nebraska. I'll be tuning in on ESPN Plus all season long. Uh, it'll be a fun one. Uh, it, I, I can't wait. I, I want to see this team get back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and I think they can. I, I'm right there with you. I, 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 I you know sue me but i'm going all in it's kind of funny how optimistic i i'm almost a little bit more pessimistic for you know the quote-unquote revenue sports i kind of try to put a uh you know realistic spin on it but when it comes to volleyball the soccer team i i i'm like all right no this is a this is a tournament team you know we're gonna go to the big 12 tournament soccer and you know, I've been I've been chatting with a couple friends and I'll get you on a little bit closer to women's basketball tipping off. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think Jeff Mitty would like uh, some of the, the thoughts I'm putting out there, because I, I, I think that <laughs> I think, you know, screw it. Final four. Let's make it happen. I, I'm pumped oh, for them wow. as well. I know that's it's a little extreme. I'll, I'll have you bring me a little bit uh, down to earth a little bit uh, closer to uh, them tipping off. So it, it, it is a fun time. It, it goes beyond just men's basketball and uh you know football uh i talked about this with Wyatt. i talked about with gene um i don't know if there's been a better era a better time to either be a student at k-state or a fan of k-state athletics because it's such a well-rounded athletic department right now yeah it's great it's fun it's uh enjoyable to work here obviously the realignment stuff um you know we went through that a couple of years ago feel bad for our friends over in the the pac-12 um but on the same side, you're glad it's not you because it was us a couple of years ago that were could potentially have ended up like Oregon State and Washington State. And and so that that 
culture of, of perhaps anxiety and fear, you know, it's, it's much better to be on this side of it. And, and then on top of that, have all of the perspective uh, success stories out there across all sports, as you said, and to be done with facilities. I mean, that's the part two where you, you give credit, not just to Gene Taylor, but to John Curry, who was here before. I mean, you're talking almost $400 million worth of facilities here over the last decade plus, and to be done with all of that and have it all in this footprint, all in the same spot and the quality of the facilities that they are, um, it feels good. It feels like you can go and make a difference. Even that you just got to get kids here and see what it's all about and see the culture, see the facility, see the coaches and the staff and, and the fans and the town. And, and they'll be sold on it just like all of us are. And uh, that makes it fun to go to work every day. Definitely. And again, that's uh, near half a billion dollars worth of facilities done off the backs of athletic department revenue and private donations. Uh, No institutional support from the university, no student funds, nothing from the federal or state government. I just want to give a shout out to John Curry, Gene Taylor, the donors and the entire athletic department for making that happen. Before we get your predictions on this upcoming football season, I want to give a shout to our friends at Charlie Hustle. Again, we were going to have a giveaway this week. They called me up on the phone and said, Scott, we got the greatest drop of K-State gear coming next Monday. Please move your giveaway back one week. I said, look, you sponsor the show, so I'll do it for you. Only if you show me every single shirt that you guys are going to drop. And Brian, I'm telling you this right now. I know you're a stylish man. I, I don't know how often you're actually putting on T-shirts, but they have, I think, five or six of the best K-State shirts I've ever seen in my life, including a Will Howard NIL shirt, a K-State offensive lineman NIL shirt, and some great throwback stuff. So, you know, I, I'll talk to them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe send you a T-shirt or two. Uh, you know, that, you know, I know you have to, you know, wear, wear the, you know, distributed stuff when you go on camera with uh, Gene Taylor, but it's some absolutely great stuff. And then who knows, maybe one day we'll have a Brian Smoller shirt from Charlie Hustle as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh- I own a couple of Charlie Hustle shirts, K-State shirts. I think they're great shirts. Uh, love the stuff that they put out. Excited to see what they got coming. Definitely. All right. Well, we, we know that uh, you do have to keep up with football. You host what I think is the best pregame show around. I'm, I'm always wa- – well, I'm, I'm usually at the stadium. Uh, but I, I, I do watch it on occasion. Uh, you know, they show it up on the big screen. And sometimes I walk by and I almost uh, am like, all right, I'm going to try to distract him. But then I, I'm just in awe of how great you are as a professional. So I just move on and I can't wait to hear your uh, little jokes in there as you're updating scores throughout the season. It's one of the fun little Easter eggs of football season. Um, I'll ask about Will Howard in a second, but who who's kind of gardening all the whispers around uh, Manhattan when it comes to offense outside of Will Howard? Who might be that secondary guy to pair with Will Howard in Colin Klein's offense? Well, there's a couple of names that have been mentioned. Um, I mean, obviously up front, I, I'm a big, you know, we talked on this before. I'm a big believer that you win football in the trenches. So you, you, if you can dominate on the lines, you can make a lot of a difference uh, one way or the other. So obviously it starts up front for K-State, Cooper BB and that group that just uh, continues to take steps forwards. I'm not worried about Christian Duffy. I know he's been dinged up and talked about uh, you know, widely reported, not practicing here, but I, I think they'll be fine. Um and and certainly have depth. Uh, that's the one thing that I think that's been mentioned a lot is is more than any other season. This team has depth, quality depth, where you're not 
uh, as um, nervous about a frontline guy going down because even as great as those guys are, uh, Will Howard and some of the others, they're not as nervous as you might have been in the past because they do have some depth built up. But obviously Keegan Johnson uh, on the outside and I think Ben Sinnott, uh, are two that have, along with Treshawn Ward, have been the guys that have been mentioned the most um, as as having potentially, uh, you know, being being breakout seasons. I'm curious to see Johnson uh, in in a game environment, um, watching him practice. You know, it's one thing, but then seeing in a game environment be another. I think Ben Sennett's going to continue to rise. You know, it just I, it, it boggles my mind that people sleep on him as much as they do. Uh, based on his production at the end of the year and some of the athletic catches he showed, but boy, he just gets no love. It seems like nationally as a tight end. And uh, I don't know if it's because they still think he's a fullback, but um, I think Ben is, is poised for a a run at a a potential uh, NFL draft type of year. So. Yeah. Ben Senate, like in, in, you know, I, I, I hope he has a big enough year. Uh, I would love for him to come back, but if he goes in the NFL draft, it's kind of my dream scenario as a Kansas City Chiefs fan that uh, Andy Reid picks him up in like the third round because I, I think he he's going to have an NFL career. Um, let's talk about Will Howard because beyond Will Howard, the player, and I, I know you know you, you love a, a good story probably more than anyone. Uh, his evolution, the you know, adverse situation he was thrown into during the COVID season. And then again in 2021, and then seemingly we're thinking, here we go once again down in Fort Worth. Uh, But he, you know, to mix metaphors, you know, he came out of his cocoon and beautiful butterfly, man, you know, an absolutely wild season. And now, you know, he's being listed as a top 10 quarterback in uh, college football by CBS, uh, Heisman Dark Horse uh, by On3, um, K-State fans deciding, hey, our pet project the entire summer is arguing with KU fans, going back and forth between J.D. and Will Howard, who's the best quarterback in the state. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, someone who's been able to probably have more interaction than Will Howard than I have, you're in Manhattan. How amazing was it to finally see him come into his own and kind of start to show off that potential we all saw when he was in Downingtown, Pennsylvania? You know, Chris Kleiman from day one has sung the praises of Will Howard and has talked about how this guy was going to be a great quarterback here at K-State. And I, and I would think even the staunchest K-State supporters thought, after a year or two or three, that that was just coach speak and coach Kleiman sticking up for his guy. And here we are. And as we enter this, what could be Will's last year, we'll see. Um, uh, and he was right. And I think it's amazing. One of the things we got to remember about college athletics overall is that at the end of the day, these are, these are kids when they come in and they're men or women when they leave. And there's a great amount of maturity and growing up that needs to be done off the court and off the field and just in the realm of life. And it's not that Will was immature. It's just going from being 18. And, and we, you know, if you don't remember as a teenager, I, I can speak for myself, you're not fully confident in what you're doing in your life and who you are. And it's just hard to be that until you get to be a little bit older and you've gone through some stuff. and. Will is just a confident person now, and he wasn't when he was younger. And I don't think it's anything because of, uh, you know, some kids come in confident right away, but, you know, they still have to go through stuff. And 
that's the part that gets you excited. And that's the part that gets you uh, super proud. I, I Baseball's, you know, there's a kid on baseball. Kalen Culpepper is the exact same way. I, a kid that came in really quiet, uber talented, but he's grown into now an Olympian and an All-American. I mean, he's he is the best third baseman in the nation. I will put, I will talk to anybody about it and swear up and down. I mean, he is the hidden gem. And um, it's the same with Will Howard. Uh, I just love seeing a, that storyline of a kid come here, uh, go through some adversity, stick it out, stay true, trust his plant, trust his coaches, trust the Lord, and then come to this point in his life. It's just awesome to see. Awesome to see. I love it. We'll flip over to defense. Who do you think is going to be carrying the banner for defense? Because uh, they were starting three NFL or no four NFL guys last year. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I think uh, the confidence in all K-State fans in that defensive staff, I don't know how many places lose four NFL guys. And then they're thinking, no, not going to take a step back at all. Uh, this is just who we are. So who's going to pick up that banner? Usu Seumalo has gotten a lot of the run here so far in uh, in preseason, and I think it's well-deserved. Uh, the guys really changed. It's the same way you see it a lot from a lot of junior college guys over the years, Scott, and K-State football history, right? Their first year as a junior college guy, they kind of come on late that first year, and then the second year they break out big. And I think that's the way it's going to be for Uso. Um, he's just a mammoth human uh, right there in the middle of the, the defensive line. And I think that, in turn, is going to lead to Khalid Duke becoming uh, the Felix and Udike Uzama of this this offense. I mean, Duke was the guy we were all thinking here two years ago was going to be a superstar uh, as a defensive end, and then Felix broke out because Duke got hurt. So uh, I think Duke, with Uso up there in the front of that uh, three-man front, is going to be monsters for people to deal with. And then you add in Brendan Mott, Nate Matlack, that makes everything better. Uh, nothing helps a young secondary better than having pressure on a quarterback, and I think that's where K-State's strength is going to be. I love it. Uh, so you, along with Mitch Fortner, called out Deuce Vaughn before any of us had seen him play a snap at K-State. Uh, so every time I ask you this question, there's a little bit of added weight because you called your shot, and it was a grand slam. So who do you think is going to be that breakout player or newcomer that is going to possibly be an all-time great for K-State. B.J. Payne is going to be my pick this year in the safety spot. I, I think this young man is uh, is poised to be the next great defensive back for K-State, um, getting a lot of talk here in the early part of the season from those when you, once you're around the team and talk to people. I think they've been impressed with B.J. Payne uh, a lot. So I'm going with him. I don't know if there's necessarily a deuce fall or as in like a, a can't-miss type of guy that's just going to electrify people. But um, because it, that was obvious from day one, just seeing him, it was Darren Sproles all over again. But um, V.J. Payne's the guy that probably doesn't get as much talk about right now, but probably should and will get more as the season goes on. I love it. Do you have a pendulum game this year? What's going to be that one game that we kind of circle and say, all right, we win this one. It's game on. If we lose it, then fans are going to act like fans and uh, melt down a little bit. (laughs) Well, uh, the Oklahoma State game to me is is a big one, only from uh, historical. You know, everyone's saying Oklahoma State's going to be down. I think Mike Gundy has been around a long time. I know they've lost a ton of guys uh, that may speak to culture who may not. I don't know. Uh, if the Allen Bowman can stay healthy, uh, then they'll. I figured they will. They will continue to do what they do on offense. They'll always be good at home. 
And that two-game stretch right there, Oklahoma State Tech on the road is the pivotal point of the year. If you can take both of those games, hold on, you know, it's a it's a special season. The meltdown game clearly will be the third game of the year. If if K State somehow falls in no, Missouri, don't even uh, Brian, Brian, no. We're we're not yeah. we are not we're not even we're not even bringing that up because uh as someone who lives in the Kansas City metro, as someone who uh loved to run his mouth. After the game last year, we're not even we're not even bringing that up. I'm I'm going I'm rolling like ten deep with all my college buddies. We're getting an Airbnb in Columbia for that. No, we're not. We're moving on. I'm not even going to let you. Not right. even going to let you bring that up. Uh, if you want to go on the record with K State's uh, record this season, you can. Uh, you know, I'm not going to make you do it because I like you. But if you want to throw a record out there, what, what what do you think it might be? Um, I think they're poised for a two loss. I think I think they could e- you could easily see a leap towards a two loss season again. Um, you know, regular season and, and uh, the road games are, are are difficult enough where you could stub your toe once or twice. Um, you know, at Texas, presumably would be the toughest game uh, on the on the schedule. The rest, you know, you feel pretty good about, although they're not easy. There's a lot of toss up games, and I, I don't remember who it was, but somebody pointed it out. It might have been ESPN or somebody like that in an article about how K-State won a lot of close games the last two years. Uh, and and usually there's a regression to the mean, so to speak, and, and it comes back on you. So I I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think you win close games because you have confidence and you have uh, good culture and guys that believe in themselves and they're well-conditioned to finish to the end. Um, and I think that hasn't changed. So now I will say one spot that, Hasn't been talked about enough, probably, is special teams for K-State and specifically kicker. You know, they won a lot of close games, including the Big 12 Championship, because at the end, Ty Zentner didn't miss. and The guy was lights out. So who takes his place at kicker, to me, is probably the one of the biggest question marks of this football team going into this year. Everything else I feel very good about. And it's not to say that K-State hasn't found the solution there with, with Bloomer or Tennant or whoever it may be, but replacing the, the consistency and the effectiveness of Ty Zentner as a punter and specifically as a place kicker uh, is going to be big for K-State because that's why they won a lot of those close games is they, they had a guy that, that was pretty automatic from 50 yards in. Yep. Uh, it, w- with a possible two-loss uh, record, since it's not round robin anymore, which just breaks my heart, I'm I'm not going to cry about that on the podcast again. I'm going to miss round robin a lot. Um, that isn't an automatic bid to the Big Twelve Championship game. Um, but if you were going to predict the matchup, is it K State making it back to Arlington back to back years? If so, who are they playing? Or you know, with unbalanced scheduling, we might be on the outside looking in. If you had to predict that first Saturday in uh, December, who's playing in Arlington? I'll say it's K-State. I'll say that they'll be there. And uh, I think they'll match up against – oh, man. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I I think it'll be Texas. Now, I could see a path to where Texas doesn't get there. The problem for Texas is the expectations are off the charts. I mean, their talent is off the charts. Their expectations are off the charts. The problem is also Texas is the biggest game for every single team that they play. So it's difficult when you play a Houston or you play Texas Tech to be up for every single game. 
And so that naturally leads to you, like they've had against Kansas, losing a game perhaps they shouldn't. Um, so that's where it gets dicey. And then Oklahoma has the has a cakewalk of a schedule. And on paper, you're like, well, oh, man, look at that's easily nine wins and ten wins. Should be. But they didn't do it last year. And they found a way to shoot themselves in the foot a lot. Um, so until you do it, it's kind of hard to say that they're going to be there. TCU's going to take a step back, I think. Texas Tech, they haven't quite done it yet. Iowa State hasn't seen nine wins since uh, dirt was invented. So how do you, I, you know, you just can't, it's difficult to throw out, you know, somebody else other than than Texas, who on paper seems to have the most logical path there. So I'll say K-State versus Texas, even though um, if that happened, I would think the entirety of the Big 12 and the new members coming in will be rooting for the Wildcats. I think without a doubt. We're going to end uh, my final question. I, I, I think the first time I brought you on for a Blitz Month, it was in 2021, shortly after the news of Texas and Oklahoma. Obviously, uh, we're feeling way different than we were uh, back then. Nobody's – well, not nobody, because I am. I'm sure you're a better man than me. You're not celebrating – the pack's downfall, but how much better are you feeling about the big 12 versus when we had this conversation two years ago? Uh, it's night and day. Um, Brett Yormark has completely changed the narrative. Can't be more impressed. I mean, how could you not with what he's done? Um, you know, I, he, uh, he's a guy that's just full of ideas and talking with people at the conference that uh, we deal with uh, a lot. Um He's the type of guy that calls you at two in the morning with some crazy ideas. And you're like, what? That's not going to work at all. And then, you know, here you are a month later and you're like, well, uh, it looks like he was right. You know, that is a great idea. So um, I think he's got great plans. I think, uh, tr you know, hope we have him forever and that he continues to lead this conference into a new frontier. I I'm excited about the new formation of the league. I think it's going to be just off the, the hook crazy when it comes to basketball and football uh, and and then the four sports that the that I do as well, it's going to be the same. They're all going to be just super competitive. It's going to be a fun conference. I hope people tune in and watch. And uh, I saw this on social media not too long ago. But if you want to continue to help the Big Twelve, the biggest thing you can do is to tune in to every single Big Twelve game you possibly can, either on streaming or online or on linear television, even if it's not your team playing, because those numbers matter. And uh, the eyeballs on games, uh, that's what people pay attention to. I love it. Well, that's all we have. As always, I'll let you address the boneheads and any other K-State fan who might uh, be deciding to listen. Brian, what do you want to tell all your adoring fans and the folks who put up with my voice five times a week from now until the end of the year? Well, I'm glad you uh, have taken the time to to have me on. I appreciate it. Uh, the shout out. I love uh, how much you cover K-State. Um, those that listen, you're listening to one of the best, if not the greatest K-State podcast that's out there. Uh, it's one of the only one that really I listen to uh, when I get a chance. Uh, Scott's obviously put in a ton of time and a lot of hard work. Grant before him, before he passed away. Um, and um, that's just a joke. Grant's still alive. But um, no, everyone, us, any, anyone who's still on Twitter is painfully aware that Grant is back, uh, you know, uh, at least on, on his Twitter the, handle for X. a long time said post mortem. So it made it seem like he had passed away. But, well, he, he uh, changes it. So well, he doesn't change it. He just gets new accounts because he uh, 
it's banned off yeah 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 right uh um, anyway, no, it's it's uh, it's great. Can't wait for this season. Can't wait for everybody to be out here. We're going to have uh, our great stable of, of guys again for the pregame show. Please come by and say hi. Um, listen, I know we're doing the show and we're trying to uh, stay focused, but before and after the show, anybody, any fans that are there, were, those guys come back. They love being able to, and they never think that they're going to get recognized, the former players that we have back. So they it makes them feel good and feel part of the family. When somebody comes up and says, hey, you're Ian Campbell, you're Travis Tannehill or you're Denzel Goolsby or whoever else. And we're going to have those guys on Harry Trotter again. We're going to add Deshaun Fogel to our roster this year, former K-State linebacker stud from a number of years ago back in the 90s. Super excited to have him join our crew. Uh, He's going to do a couple of shows this year as well. Well, I can't wait. Uh, now that you said that, I am going to come over and I'll I'll make sure you guys are on a break. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be hollering at you guys uh, during your commercial breaks. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we're gonna have you on again closer to women's basketball season because I think this is going to be the most anticipated women's basketball team uh, at least in a decade plus. Uh, and I can't wait to do that. And then. Uh, I'm going to do a better job talking baseball this upcoming year. So then again, I'm going to have you on to preview the baseball season as well as they will finally get to the NCAA tournament, which they've been robbed of a couple times. We'll go on full rants uh, in the early spring about that. (laughs) I won't take up more of your time because I'm sure once I get you started on that, like Gene Taylor, uh, you know, you you probably wouldn't be able to stop. That That was a part of our conversation that wasn't recorded uh, but they're going to get there next year. Everyone's going to postseason play. It's going to be the greatest year of K State athletics. And yeah, that's right. We're gonna we're gonna top last year. That's what I say. So uh, for it. Brian, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, it's just fine. Love it. Thank you, man. I, I, I looking forward to it. Oh yeah. So f- for Brian, the best voice in the entire world. For my dog Chauncey, who is just taking a nap by my feet, and for my parents' dog Pepper. We love you guys and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State. Our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors everywhere. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Podcast Network.